0: I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Bob Stuttman, one half of the two-person team of Stuttman Swatowski on a mission to develop a plan of action to reverse the most devastating drug epidemic in American history, the opioid crisis. Bob was a DEA agent on the front lines in the war on drugs for over 25 years. Now he speaks to thousands of students, parents and doctors each year to educate them and to understand the real why's and how's of the drug culture straight from the mouths of the triers, users and abusers you can learn more about Bob and his very important work at the stutman com. Bob, welcome, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you Sarah It's a pleasure to be with
0: you Well, and I said, I said in another podcast, I wish you know I, I love talking to you you're so smart, but it's such a not pleasurable subject to be talking about and I want to talk this time about my I'm going to call it that parents are fooling themselves and that they're naive in terms of their lack of understanding of what's really going on at the kids level and the kids experience and behind their backs in this war on drugs and you're talking to to those you're talking to those little angels so can we talk about that
1: yeah um To make that point, Sarah, Columbia University, a number of years ago, did a study that said 68% of high school students said that drugs played a major issue in their life. Now, that didn't mean 68% were using drugs. That number is way too high. It meant that they, a family member, a friend, a relative, drugs were important enough in somebody's life close to them that it played an important part of their life. So could 71% that... of high school kids said their schools were drug infested. Now, can you imagine tomorrow if Bottom Line produced a study that said 71% of high schools in the United States were infested with asbestos? The do-gooders in our country would be screaming bloody murder. They'd say, rip those high schools down. Yet, we have a peer reviewed study at one time that said 71% of high schools were infested with drugs, and we do exactly as you said. We tend to overlook it.
0: Well, and not only that, so let's break down that number. 68%, as you said, drugs played a role in their lives but it could be anything at home it could be a parent on an antidepressant it absolutely. could be a parent on insulin whatever it is that they're surrounded by drugs fixing the problem is that true
1: that's absolutely correct and by the way I forgot to tell you the second half of that study 68% 71% were the two numbers we just talked about 22% of parents said that their kids knew anything about drugs
0: Because I don't think the parents realize it. I don't think the parents are translating their use of drugs and their conversations about self-medicating or whatever it is. They need their Xanax, they're having anxiety. All these subtle conversations and statements made, I don't think they translate that to the kid's perception and the kid's connecting the dots between the two types of drug usage.
1: And let us not leave out alcohol, please. Yes. what the kids see the parents with alcohol, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Jody, who is my partner, uh, has her master's degree in early childhood behavior, and she will tell you that kids learn by modeling behavior, by what they see their parents do. A significant percentage of people who show up at an emergency room where the primary diagnosis is drug overdose, And I'm talking about, I think the number is 40% or more are age six or below.
0: They see their
1: parents taking a pill and feeling good. So when they have the chance to grab that pill, they take it and they can die from that pill. Um, And so we have a terrible problem with young kids showing up at HR, uh, at ERs, with overdoses, simply because they they modeled after their parents' behavior. Uh, there's one thing I want to say right now, Sarah, and, you, I, and the reason I want to say it, because at my age, if I don't say it, when I think it, I don't say it.
0: <laughs> you need a pen um, to write stuff down.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. There is a website that every one of the parents listening who have a preteen or teen, I want them to write this down. It is the... Facebook for kids who do drugs. I don't I don't know how else to describe it. Every kid I know who is into drugs uses this website to tell him what to get, how to get it, how much to pay, how to use it, what they're using in Seattle, what they're using in New York, etc. It is called Irowid, Erowid, E R O W I D. Erowid.org.
0: What does that stand for?
1: I don't know what Arrowwood stands for. I, the only ones I know who use it are kids who are into drugs or drug researchers. Uh, Jody and I use it all the time. Like when we're going to a particular city to talk to kids and we want to find out what those kids are doing, all we do is go to Arrowwood and look.
0: So I have a really uh, stupid question then. What should a parent do with that? Now that I know about that website, yeah. should I block it in my house? Should I check the computer, the network, you know, the the log files to see if my kid is going to that?
1: Oh, yeah, you said I was smart. You're smarter than me because I was going to say, I would tell every parent in this room, I'm sorry, on this show, to go to their kid's computer, check their history browser, and see if Arrowhead is in their history. If your kid went to Arrowhead, I will give you a pretty good prediction that your kids using drugs. Um, I, I just don't meet kids who go to Arrowwood who don't do drugs. Yeah. It's Let that me simple. So, so can I confirm H E R O? what's going on in your family?
0: That that's huge. Thank you very much. Let me confirm. Is it E R O or H E R O?
1: L E R O no, W I D. E-R-O-W-I-D. E-R-O.
0: Got it. Okay, because I was hearing It is HeroWid. Okay. so
1: no, HeroWid, right. and it's dot .org.
0: Got it. All right. We are going to post that and let people know about it. All right, so let's go back to the beginning of this. You're interviewing and meeting with thousands of kids each year. What are the stories they're telling you about where they're getting their drugs and where they're first getting exposed? Because there's some really eye-opening stuff that you had told me.
1: Boy, that's, that's a great question. And let's talk about three different ways, if, if I may. Number one is how do kids get street drunk? How do kids start on grass? How do kids start on a lot of pills? Somebody will very often walk up to them at around age 12 to 13. One of the things I hate is when people say, Drug addicts are bad people, where, as you know, I absolutely believe drug addiction is a brain-based disease. It is not bad people doing bad things. And when I say that to people, I say, look, would you tell a diabetic he or she was a bad person because they ate too much sugar? Of course you wouldn't. Uh, You may say they were foolish, they're hurting themselves, but you wouldn't say they're bad people. Most young adults who start on drugs get them one of three ways. One is somebody hands it to them at around 12 to 13.
0: And who's that somebody?
1: Ah, that's the important question. The parents think it's a dope peddler. Wrong. It is their best friend, it is their brother, their sister, their cousin or best friend. It's somebody they love and respect.
0: You know, it's that funny. That
1: is virtually always who hands the drugs to your kid. And yet most parents say, never talk to a dope peddler. Don't peddlers don't go to 12 or 13 year old kids. It's just, frankly, it's stupid business. It's the friends who give it to them. And I had a young lady say to me, I'm trying to think when it was, I think it was in the spring before the summer when I had my surgery. It was the last high school I did, it may have been a middle school, before the summer. And I will never forget. You and I both know, uh, Sarah, that there are things that happen to us in life that we remember the rest of our lives. But at the time it happens, you don't realize you're going to remember it the rest of your life. This girl said something to me. As soon as she said it, I knew I was going to remember it the rest of my life, uh, this adorable, I'm going to say 14-year-old girl, very cute, very precocious, very smart. She walked up to me after the session was over. She heard me talk to the group. And I will never forget, she looked up at me and she said, Mr. Stutman, how do I say no? What a profound... Wow question.
0: That's so huge and so difficult. I remember exactly. talking to my girls about confidently saying no versus demurely saying no.
1: Right. You're exactly correct. And when this girl looked at me, honest to God, sir, I almost cried because I realized the position these kids are in. When that girl said to me, how do I say no? It just stopped me in my tracks and, and made me think. Because most of the time, we have not trained our kids to say no, certainly by age twelve. Now you want, a, you want a great question. Every person here should ask their kids, what training have you had in school, in church, in synagogue, in mosque, any place? What training have you had to how to handle a situation, when that somebody who's usually a good friend comes up to you and says, here, Sarah, let's try this. What training have you had to deal with that? Now, I will tell you what most training they've had. And please understand, by training, I am a cop. So I love cops. Not every cop all the time, but I love cops.
0: Actually, you know most what? Most of the can, training- I, can I, Bob, can I interrupt you? cuz sure. rather than hear about the lack of training that these kids have had, can we digress for a minute? Absolutely. And and let's boss, give yeah. me the training now. Let's digress for one moment cuz this is so important. What what is the guidance and training for kids how to say no when somebody that they love and respect is trying to give them a pill? Or at any time when they're in an uncomfortable situation, could be sex, I could, think could is be the anything. One.
1: Uh and and I I think this is easy. It sounds stupid, but kids love it. Do urine drug kids on your drug testing. Kids, try to test your kid for drugs, period. Test them once a year. I don't care. You can get the test kits in any drugstore. I am not a big believer in, in that drug testing. I don't think it works particularly well.
0: No, no. I mean, what should I do? What's the training? So if the no, kids no, no. are Let me finish. Okay, fine.
1: It gives your kid an incredible excuse. Ah. Uh. Ah. Sarah, why don't you try some drugs with me? Bob, I'd love to try drugs. I can't. My mom makes me pee in a bottle. If I ever turned positive on drugs, she'd ground me till I was 65. I'd love to try it but I can't an amazingly simple excuse to give to kids I'm not trying it and I will tell you kids love it because they don't have to say I think you're a jerk for using drugs they don't have to say any of that stuff it gives them an excuse
0: right okay very simple
1: yeah Good. very simple right. No, now it's not the only excuse but it's a very simple excuse. and most of all Kids
0: like it right well and it gets them off the hook as you said for being bad guy let them go throw their parents under the bus as bad cop right
1: of course right they throw their parents under the bus every day why should this be any <laughs>
0: different? it's part of the privilege the the benefits package of being a parent
1: you got it all right so anyway,
0: so they're exposed sorry, from we leave off? so they were exposed from a peer somebody you know a friend a sibling yes. or whoever
1: where I else where are they exposed when i told you how much i love cops it was yeah. the reason I said that oh I'm sorry no I I mean there was a specific reason I said that most young adults today got their training in America in the fifth grade on how to say no to drugs so that's about 11 and who did they get their training from Uh, the program is different today but for years and years and years it was the dare program Yes. And the D.A.R.E. program, has the old D.A.R.E. program, not the new one, Mm -hmm. has been proven to be not only useless for teaching kids how to say no to drugs, in two of the five studies, I believe, it was proven to show kids who have been through the old D.A.R.E. program are actually worse off than kids who have had no training at
0: all. Well, if I recall correctly, did the D.A.R.E. program give them a listing of what all the drugs were and what they did?
1: They did a lot of things wrong.
0: Which to me was, because my kids came home, they were in the old D.A.R.E. program, and then I'm going, you're giving a menu to these kids, right? Here's the list of drugs. Here's what it does. Oh, I'm tired. I'll take something that speeds me up. Oh, I can't sleep. Like, they were handing them the temptation. It was the weirdest thing.
1: Well, let's be clear, but that was the drug education program in the United States. Now, again, I want to be very clear, so I only get about a bunch of cops chasing me. The program is very different now, and I think over the past three or four years, it's changed significantly. So now it is a good training program. But the problem is we've got maybe two generations of kids that went through the old one that was terrible
0: are so, parents able to access the dare program to get a similar amount of education and to understand what their kids are sure, now going through sure.
1: just uh, go online and you'll get a, a a a layout of what the dare program is
0: okay so if they just google yes, dare google. okay
1: um but again i want to be clear today's dare program is not the old dare program uh, so kids get the drugs from their friends in the beginning. So what happened if they don't get the drugs from friends? One of the questions I always ask kids when I go to high school is what drugs are you using? Now remember, when I do a high school, Sarah, it's not with teachers for I do part, partly that. We do an hour with teachers and everyone, But then we have volunteer groups that come in to meet with me with no teachers, no administrators, nobody else. And Jody and I absolutely agree with the kids to two or three things. Number one, we will be absolutely honest with them. They can ask us any question they want. Number two, we do not judge anybody. The problem with us as adults is when we're talking to our kids, we tend to judge them, and kids pick that up very quickly. So they don't want to tell you a thing. They don't mind about drugs, about anything um number three we know more than they do and i can prove that in about a minute uh that i know more than they do and in a way they can check and realize i do know more than they do so we sit with these kids and one of the things i ask them is what drugs are you using and we get dozens of kids that raise their hands to tell them so i was in a school i will not tell you the name of it It was in the South. And I had been to that school three years before, I believe. And everybody in that school three years before was using methamphetamine. Now, everybody was using Vicodin's. That was the drug of choice.
0: But they do two entirely different things. So methamphetamine is Ritalin, right?
1: That's exactly correct. They're two entirely different things. And why they did, were all switched to Vicodin. And
0: why did they change?
1: Ah, so I said to them, first of all, where do you get this stuff? And the answers I got almost all the time, and I'm talking about different schools, different parts of the country, I almost always got these two, two-word answers. Uh, one was sports injury. I got hurt in sports. My doctor gave me Vicodin, and I took it, and he never, ever told me I could get addicted to this bleep. And I hear that constantly. Second thing I get all of the time, and honest to God, Sarah, the first time I got this, it shocked me because I was probably as dumb as everybody thinking about this. I so said, where did you, where did you get this crap, wisdom teeth? Oh yeah. Honest to God, I, I'm, I'm being upfront with you. I just didn't think of that.
0: I just had it in my house over the summer. There you go. They gave it now, to me. They didn't say anything about it. No warnings. And do no. you want to know how much it cost? It cost less than five dollars.
1: Yep, exactly. It costs nothing. There you go. Now, the sad part about this, now, the American Dental Association, I think two or three months ago, came out with a major article that basically said, stop giving Vicodin for pulling uh, wisdom teeth. The the amazing part about it is that when you pull a wisdom tooth, uh, the kind of pain you get is inflammatory pain. The one kind of pain that opioids have virtually no effect on is inflammatory pain. So I have no clue why any dentist would give opioids for a wisdom tooth pull. And yet those are the two reasons I get the most from kids. What? Was- do you, when did you start wisdom teeth
0: or sports? All injury? right, so but let me challenge you now though. So I, horrifying, I got that. But my kid came home, she got her wisdom teeth out she took them for a couple of days and then, and of course I was very conservative and she was conservative about using them, but wouldn't a parent know that you're done? So why would they then be able to continue with it? Sports injury, a little more complicated if you have a knee injury, a shoulder injury or something like that. But parents need to also be, be on it or are they so checked out on this that they're not asking questions of the doctors?
1: Of course they're not asking questions of the doctors. Why not? I'm not saying everybody. You may, some of them, but the majority don't. And by the way, if your daughter took, let's say she took four Vicodins, the average, let me back up a second. For all physicians or dentists, the average number of opioids taken when a person gets a prescription for opioids is between five and eight because one of the first symptoms is constipation, not fun, uh, and it makes some people drowsy, etc.
0: Now they have a drug for opioid induced constipation. It's okay.
1: Now, now they do, and it's advertised on television. I
0: know, it makes me yeah. crazy.
1: Uh, so the average use is between five and eight, the average prescription is 30 to 60. So if that's prescribed to a kid, they may very well like the feeling it gives them.
0: Isn't that malpractice? Oh No. Why not? No. It's not,
1: not as far as I know. 30 Vicodin for wisdom teeth? If somebody dies, I'm sure there would be a suit. But I'm not sure you can prove a malpractice case based on overprescription if somebody becomes an addict. I just don't think you can. I may be wrong. I don't think you
0: can. But, and again, back to, so, you know, the premise of what parents do and don't realize. So parents are sitting there, again, they're trusting the oral surgeon. They're giving the prescription. They know their kid's going to be in pain. And they're not questioning, and they're simply giving it out. The doctor gave me 30 pills. I guess I should give it to them. Yep. I mean, I think parents need to wake up to playing an active role in these choices.
1: Absolutely. Uh, they should be calling the doctor ahead of time and say, are you going to be prescribing an opioid to my child? The answer is yes. I would say, no, you're not. There are other drugs for pain. I realize there will be pain. There are other drugs, particularly for toothful pain that are better. What is not it? Addicting. What
0: do you and think, you think you would be better? Be
1: taking, you should be prescribing those. Now I'll take it a step Even worse, a new, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A new habit that many dentists are getting into is they're prescribing Xanax a day before the surgery so the child will not be nervous when they have their tooth pulled. Now, the worst thing a doctor can do, I shouldn't say the worst, one of the worst things they can do as far as drug overdose goes or addiction, is prescribing Xanax and opioids together. Those two together are a killer. In fact, I will tell you something you may not realize, or although you probably do, but you may not, that many treatment specialists will tell you it is tougher to put a person in recovery from Xanax than it is from heroin well it is an extraordinarily addicting drug it also contributes to overdose
0: well and I think you told me it was Xanax plus Vicodin that killed Heath Ledger
1: that's exactly correct that's exactly correct they kill people and yet now dentists are giving out Xanax to kids they won't be nervous for their vikings. So Same question, would, though.
0: It, aren't but, they trained? How can they not know this? You tell me. Uh, you tell me. You're the
1: expert. It's killing yeah, me. The answer is, as expert as I am, I don't know. They don't train it in dental school, I guess. Uh, doctors, MDs, get very little training in med school. We've talked about that before. Right. Well, dentists probably get less. They probably get less. and and so this has become a huge issue with dentists Uh, I believe dentists are the number four writer of opioids in this country
0: and that's going to young people
1: none of your listeners would guess that
0: no chance because you think wisdom teeth and they're done Yep. all right so that's so first exposure on opioid sports wisdom teeth let's go back to Adderall and Ritalin for a second Yep. Because you said that's what the kids were using, and then they switched to the opioids. But Adderall and Ritalin is a huge problem. That's driving them to heroin. The speed, young adults, professionals that are taking them for their when they're studying for Series Seven exams, they're taking them in college. What do parents need to know about what's going on in that? And the so parents, really are by the way, up are starting two it. Two in,
1: in that question, Sarah. Uh, number one, I want to disagree with something you said. I am not aware of any peer review study that says, now listen carefully, that says, kids who have a legitimate diagnosis for ADHD and take their medicine within the parameters of what the doctor tells them, have any higher rate of substance abuse than kids who don't take any medicine.
0: Understood. Not talking about the legitimate...
1: To have the legitimate diagnosis and listen to what the doctor says.
0: I'm talking about the kids who...
1: I understand, right. But but I want your listeners who have a kid who is taking the medicine the way they should, and the doctor gave it to them because they went through the battery of tests. I don't want them worrying about that kid. Um, Although, do they
0: have to worry, though, because there does seem to be a rate of increase of diagnosis and questionable whether or not those kids are properly diagnosed
1: you're absolutely correct but i hesitate to say anything about that because i'm not a psychiatrist
0: we had another i did a podcast a few weeks ago with dr andrew hill who uh, specializes in brain retraining he actually has wicked bad add does not use medication. He treats people regularly without medication, but helps them manage what he calls their superpower of their ADHD. So the drugs may help some, but not a requirement. So there's another podcast out there for people to listen to.
1: You're absolutely correct. And and again, I wanna be clear, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I I don't wanna comment on that. The problem is kids who take these pills with the primary goal of studying better, which is, I mean, it's called the study drug in, in college. That's what it's called. Um, I wanna be clear. There are a number of studies, peer-reviewed medical studies, that look at if kids take Adderall and Ritalin, does it increase their ability to A, study, and B, get better grades? Well, guess what? There isn't one study that says that. They say very clearly that kids who take a placebo, which is a non-drug, baking soda, whatever, but in a form to look exactly like the drug you're supposed to be taking, kids who take a placebo get the exact same grades as kids who take uh, Adderall Ridley. So it doesn't help at all. It is, I think I'm taking a pill that's going to help me study. Therefore, I'm going to study better. And that pill can be baking soda. So it doesn't really help. And those are the kids that get in huge trouble. So how do we get that? and Ritalin is very addicting. It kills very few, but it addicts a huge number.
0: So how can parents get that feedback to their kids before they decide to go tempt fate when all their buddies are doing it on Wall Street, you know, in the business world, in college?
1: Yep. It's, uh, you know what, it's dealing with the problem when they're very young. If you haven't talked to your kid by age 13, and I don't want to sound too negative here, it's almost too late. Remember, the first age of decision for alcohol is probably around 11, and for drugs, let's say it's 13. If, we, if, if they're going into this world completely uneducated, it may be too late. You've got to start young with kids. There are great books out there. You go to uh, the website for the National Institute of Drug Abuse. They recommend books that are great for kids at every age. They have book for books for parents. There is a book, it's a fairly old one, I love it. It's called How to Raise a Drug-Free Kid by a gentleman named Joe Califano. I didn't write it, I wish I did. Uh, that That's a great book. So there's ways to educate yourself, but you gotta realize this stuff is different. Uh, it is very different than any other drug I've seen. And I don't know if you want to talk about it now or in another podcast, but I think it is very important, Sarah, that we talk about the issue of why are these drugs, meaning opioids and benzodiazepines, different? What makes them different than the other drugs?
0: Yeah, I think we'll do that in a different podcast, but I think that the thing to, again, be be reinforcing on is that these are not the drugs our kids are using now are not the classic street drugs. They're coming from the doctor's office. They're coming from the pharmaceutical companies.
1: They are not the drugs you and I used.
0: I didn't use drugs. I didn't like them.
1: I already said. (laughs) Maybe you do. (laughs) Um,
0: Hey, one more question. What makes some kids more vulnerable to taking and trying drugs than others?
1: Well, there is certainly a genetic issue. Um, There is a genetic alcohol and drug issue. Uh, If... If you have the problem in your family, you're probably, and it could be either alcohol or drugs. You are probably more likely if you use drugs, or drink for that matter, to develop the disease of alcoholism or addiction. They're basically the same disease.
0: Once they take
1: them. Once they take them. How about? Exactly. But
0: are those so people? Are those of the kids also more? I think
1: parents make is keeping it a secret that Uncle Louis was a drunk. You've got to tell your kid, Sarah. If God forbid you had breast cancer in your family, you would tell your daughters.
0: Oh, I've had conver- I've had conversations about my daughters about alcohol in the family oh, that's as well. What I'm
1: not but you are yes. very different than you most parents. You have to. Most parents keep it a secret that they have alcoholism or addiction in their family. I deal with it all the time. I speak to thousands of parents a year. And they'll raise their hand and say, kind of sheepishly, well, I've never told my daughter that Uncle Louie was a drunk. And I always ask them a question. Would you have told them that if Aunt Minnie had breast cancer? Yes. Well, why the hell aren't you doing it with alcohol? You've got to tell your kids and say, that doesn't mean you're going to become an alcoholic or drug addict.
0: But you have to be aware and pay right, attention to it. but it does mean
1: right. you've got a much better chance than your friend.
0: Now how about let's talk for a moment about parental attention, parental communication, because it's a clear again, I'm talking about what parents aren't aware of with what's going on in their world. And yeah. you told me Well so let me
1: tell you what I think are the three best predictors. Now this is me, Bob Stuttman, so it's not in a peer reviewed journal, but it's based on I hate to tell you this, fifty years in this world. Okay? The three best predictors on whether or not your child will become an addict or an alcoholic, number one, the age they first start. We talked about that in podcast number one, I think. The younger they are when they start, the more likely they are to become an addict or an alcoholic. That is a given. I don't know anybody that disagrees with that. Number two, there is a drug that predicts later drug addiction or alcohol abuse. It is not cannabis. It is tobacco. Kids who smoke, chew, dip, or vape have a higher rate of addiction and alcohol than kids who do not. It is a very good predictor. Number three, I think, is the most important. It is a number... The higher the number, the better for your kids. The highest the number can be is seven. What does the number stand for?
0: Don't know.
1: The number of times a week you have dinner with your kids. Yep. There are studies that show zero to two times versus three to five times a much higher rate of addiction and alcohol for zero to two times. Why? And I don't I I never talk politics. I don't think what you talk about, I don't care what you think about is politics. But the most arch conservatives I know, and I know some very tough conservatives, will tell you, I hated Obama's politics, but he was an incredible family man. If you had an appointment with President Obama between 6 and 8, there was one hour built into that time that you sat and waited and he went and had dinner with his wife and two girls. And Mrs. Obama said, and I think her first interview, I may be wrong, that every night at dinner they play a game called Roses and Thorns. And a rose is we each talk about the best thing that happened to us today, and a thorn is we each talk about the worst thing that happened to us today. And she said, if you give your kids a chance to talk to you, and don't judge them, and don't BS them, you'll be shocked what they would tell you. You've got to give your kids a chance. And you do not play priest, rabbi, or minister. You don't judge them. You bite your tongue and shut up and listen. Then you can bring up the issue at a different time. But you don't bring it up then.
0: So agree. Can you tell one very quick story? And I think it's going to be super powerful to finish on. You told me about You had a a talk to one of the students about why they did drugs, and it had to do with hugs.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to get into that later, but I will tell you. We think kids use drugs to get stoned. That's why we did drugs. That's not why most of these kids do certainly pharmaceutical drugs. Most kids do pharmaceutical drugs to assuage their emotions, to feel better. I learned that lesson, and I've heard it, I've read it in a lot of the journals, but I really learned that lesson from a young man in a high school, I remember the high school, Burlington, Wisconsin. I was speaking to a young man who was a senior who was going to, I believe, an Ivy League school, very bright young man. He told me he used Oxycontin two or three times a week. And I said to him, what does it feel like when you use OxyContin? Which is a very different question than where did you get it or why did you start? What does it feel like when you use OxyContin? And the young man gave me an answer to the day I die, I'll never forget. He looked at me and he said, it's like being held in my mother's arms. The strongest emotional bond in the world, in any culture, You know what happens, Sarah, when you hug your kid? To you and your kid. I can replicate that feeling with a pill from the medicine chest. And that's why kids generally use these drugs. Now, let me take one minute, I know we're running long, and add on a second piece to that. I had a young man that said to me within the past year, actually it was a young lady, she said to me, tying into this issue, It's like assuaging your emotions. She said the worst day of my life was when I got my fourth grade report card. And I said, why? She said, because I got all A's. And I said, so what's the issue? She said, my mom and dad would never let me get anything less than that. Mm. And they put huge pressure on me. Every day of my life, and I went to drugs to deal with that pressure.
0: Ah, uh, and uh, the parents pushing their kids yep. to, to go places that they just may or may not be comfortable going. Pushing them, it happens around here, tutoring them beyond their natural abilities.
1: There you go, and then the parents are shocked when they turn to drugs. Gee, what a shock.
0: Exactly. All right, well, those stories made me near tears last time you told them to me, and they did again. Bob Stutman, thank you so very much. Parents, you need to be aware there's a lot going on that you're not seeing and you're not knowing. So open your eyes, talk to your kids. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, sir. I'm talking to Robert Stutman a 25-year veteran of the Drug Enforcement Administration, about the serious threat to society that exists as a result of the devastating drug epidemic that's overtaking America. This crisis is affecting people of all ages, genders, and social classes. But unlike drug problems of the past, this one is starting at the doctor's office and hospitals. Bob is on a mission to reverse this horrific killer. He's just one of the thousands of experts featured in our twice-monthly newsletter, Bottom Line Personal, who provide their expert advice to guide readers into action in their own lives. In addition to Bob's wisdom regarding the dangers in our medicine cabinets, Bottom Line Personal is filled with actionable advice on all aspects of your life, including living a healthy life, traveling safer and cheaper, how to find the best insurance, retirement planning, smart tax strategies, and even travel to little known destinations. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for over 40 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book Bottom Line's best bets, full of some of the greatest tips from our experts of all time. Just go to BottomLineInc.com forward slash BLP. That's BottomLineInc.com forward slash BLP.